Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. How's it going, Greg? It's going well, Russ. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm just here at home, you know, safe and sound, unlike <laughs> the office. Well, I know, you know, the office was just full of hazards, but it wasn't really that it was hazardous because most of us are just clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, safety is such an important topic. I'm glad we've got a show on this and kind of how it impacts teamwork and, and leadership as well. Absolutely. We have a leader when it comes to safety. John Hale is with us today, and John is an OSHA outreach trainer, certified instructor. He's the author of a book called Zero Injuries, and he's actually coached the Air Force in Iraq and Afghanistan on safety. So we are in good hands today. John, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about what were you doing in Iraq and Afghanistan with our Air Force, teaching them safety? Yes, well, I did 22 years in the Air Force, and most of that was as a safety inspector, as a safety manager. And the funny thing is when people are over in Afghanistan or Iraq and they're doing their job and they see the safety man show up and I look at him, I want to slap him across the face and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> But their answer is, hey, OSHA doesn't apply. We are in Iraq. And I say, no, but safety common sense still does. And so it makes for a coaching opportunity. Oh, yeah. I'm probably overgeneralizing, but a lot of people feel maybe where it's like, oh, man, the safety guy's here. Oh, now I got to take some extra steps. I can't just, you know, lift myself up to the second floor with the forklift. I've got to do a little bit more. What do you feel like? How do you get into that situation? You know, it's interesting. There's two of us in our safety office. And a lot of times people think about us as the safety guys with a smile because we're always smiling. We come in with a cheerful attitude, walk up to the crew, maybe a construction crew, and they're excavating. They're doing some pipe work underground and I come up and instead of just yelling going, what the heck are you doing because something's wrong I kind of engage them a little bit and hopefully within a few moments they realize they're doing something wrong and they go oh let me stop doing this and come up out of the trench and talk to you because yeah I guess I should be doing that but it up it gives an opportunity to coach when you are friendly But as a leader, as a manager, you show up on site with a sense that you're there to help. And that's kind of like the idea of the the construction crew as a team, the manufacturing group as a team that have eyes open for each other. It doesn't have to be the manager that comes out to the job site or the foreman that finally comes over to this side of the project to see things wrong. Your fellow team member should say, whoa, dude. That's not the way to do it. That's not what we talked about this morning. Or if it's in the office space and there's those red flags that go off, you need to be able to say to your buddy, hey, are you all right? Do you need me to help you out? I can do a a, take a second look at your report there before you submit it. I know you're really nervous about this report. So you got to have each other's back. And that's where safety and teamwork come in hand in hand. Well, I would think that creating an environment where they feel empowered to tell their team members and their coworkers, you know, maybe we should you know, do something a little different here. It looks a little unsafe or there's a procedure that's not being followed. 
you know, I, I would guess that, you know, somebody that is newer on, with the company or newer on the job may not feel confident or, or comfortable enough to say something to a senior member of the team. But it's so important that everybody feels empowered that they can say something because when it's all said and done, it's about everybody's safety, whether it's, you know, a team member's safety or potentially a customer's safety, right? Definitely. You know, so often you'll see a team that has a meeting in the morning, whether it is working in a restaurant and they kind of have their little kind of cheer that they have and they kind of keep people um, focused on the hazards, whether it's in the kitchen. A lot of times on the construction site, we have the job hazard analysis. And I can think of a team that I saw that they did not have a plan and I show up on the job site. And they are frustrated. There's a lot of emotions going on. And there's one person yelling at another. And they're like, oh, safety man here. Come here. Tell him to do it different. And it's just all kinds of problems. But on the other hand, I go to another job site. And I got a small <clears throat> small team that is working the well together. And it's because when I see them, how they do their meetings in the morning, then I'm like, I get it. Because that foreman, he's got his four or five guys there. And he says, okay, I got the plan for the day. We're going to do this, this, and this. Let me see, is there anything else I forgot? And then somebody else brings up, oh, we're going to do that and that. Oh, that's right. And then he says, well, let's look at this. What are the hazards with doing that activity? And all of a sudden becomes this engagement, this interaction. Everybody, like you said, is engaged, involved, and they do have a say. And they need to say, whoa, whoa, you know what? Last time we did that, we didn't have the right thing. Did we get this tool, this piece of equipment we needed? Yes, we rented that and it arrives at eight o'clock. And they had all their resources set up. They had their plan. They had clear involvement. And the team members knew that everybody in the team knew the plan. And it did provide a sense of security in their job so they were a successful team and guess what when those team members are talking to their cousin or to their brother-in-law who needs a job they'll say you know what you should come work with us we got some great things going on in the company we have the boss that uh, really makes sure that we plan it out right and my fellow workers have my eye you know have their eyes on my back on, on what's going on and it makes for a whole different attitude so much of it is attitude. And and I say attitude with safety because, yeah, I mean, some people, yeah, they do, you know, they want a shortcut or whatever. And it's funny, you can also shortcut with leadership or teamwork. What's interesting about that Zero Injuries book is you combining those three together, safety, teamwork, leadership. Why did you decide to, to combine those and, and write that book? Well, it goes back to when I was in the military and I first belonged to the Red Horse Squadron, which is... Rapid Engineering Deployable Heavy Operational Repair Squadron of Engineers. Hmm. So they're combat engineers. They build things, build runways with the enemy launching rockets at them. So they're combat ready, but they're also building things that have to be built quick in that combat zone. Wow. So when I first went to their operation in Las Vegas, and now I was assigned to this unit, and I got up on stage and all these guys had already heard 
the, the human resource director, the chief, they heard the IT guy come up talking about passwords and protection of the <laughs> network, and they were bored to death. I got up there, and I had practiced, and I had a friend who prepared me to, to give a really good safety briefing. So I got up there, and I said, 10 tons of mud had swallowed up this backhoe. And I'll tell you what, in that moment, all those eyes, 350 construction workers and support personnel had their eyes on me on stage. And I was able to tell this story. It was a true story when I was a, a young person in construction and this crazy thing that happened with the backhoe basically falling into this trench full of mud. Mm. And they were loving it. It was, it was inspiring, but at the same time, they could identify with it. And they laughed, and everybody had fun. At the end, the commander got up after me, and he said, I don't even know what I could add to that. You know what? Let's have a good day. Let's go. So, and those last words linger. So the commander would put me at the end because he knew that my message, that story would stick. And when I would go out to the different departments, we had plumbers and electricians and structures, and we had the, the services and, and the catering crew and all these different departments. They were still talking about that story, 10 tons of mud, days, weeks later. You were memorable. You were yes. memorable. I mean, you got their attention. And, and one of the things that you talk about in the book is like getting the workers to be receptive to the message and knowing the right time to do it. And, and you've captured that, right? You, you, you captured it in that moment where you talked about that, that incident and got everybody's attention. But in the book, it's really cool because you're teaching others how to do something that you have the talent to do. And it's not necessarily always easy for all these uh, managers out there to really know the proper timing. So what advice do you provide them? Well, it's interesting. I actually have almost like two audiences I speak to. On the one hand, the construction workers, the, the team members, the foremen and their technicians, whether it's manufacturing or construction, even some other operations that are usually high industrial. And I'm able to share a story like 10 tons of mud, capture their attention, but now say the lesson learned here. And sometimes we engage in certain activities where I get someone come up and, and before you know it, everyone is really getting the message and, and, it, and it sticks. And then maybe the next hour I'm speaking to supervisors and managers and I'm saying, we just talked teamwork and having eyes on your partner, helping them to not do the unsafe thing. So I want you to be able to help support them with that. And now I'm able to kind of turn the coin over and help those managers realize how to support that idea, that engagement from the team members with, with each other. So it's not the manager catching them doing things wrong. It's the team member saying to their buddy, whoa, 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 I see a red flag here. That's not right. I want to get into small business and, you know, entrepreneurs out there that are running their business. What concerns should they have? Let's uh, do that. But first, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. 
Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. We're joined by John Hale. We're talking about safety, teamwork, and leadership. There's a lot to enforce <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking about these things, uh, you know, whether you're on a construction site, whatever it is. And really, I'm more fascinated about how you communicate that message and get people to actually walk away with all these safety concepts. Well, it's interesting. It does take a lot of training, developing leaders. And as managers, as leaders, we need to identify those workers who do take that extra step. They're very responsible that will be involved and ensure the plan happens. And those are probably the people we need to promote that next step. Make them foremen, make them leaders, make them crew chiefs, because we need people that take care of their people. And safety really is just taking care of your people. And even with a small business, sometimes I do speak to chapters of a certain organization or at a conference. And a lot of the people there are small businesses. Now, generally, if you have a small business and you just have a few employees, the OSHA, federal OSHA, even a lot of times the state OSHA requirements do not apply to right. your business. Even if you have a printing press operation or something, but you still want to apply the principles. So you have the opportunity to, to gleam from the OSHA website and the OSHA materials and safety professionals like me. And, and one of the big ones that I often talk to those kind of groups about is that failure is going to happen. Whether it is failure, your car breaks down when you're on the highway or you're on a long trip or uh, a backhoe that you are working on the job site and you're lifting things, all of a sudden it breaks. So you need to have a plan B. We need to teach our workers to have a plan B. And that plan B might be, hey, if this was to happen, I'm okay. Because you know what? I prepared ahead of time. I think about a car. You're driving down the road, and if you have a broken windshield, you got to be able to crack through it. And let's say your tires are kind of getting bald. You're just not taking care of that car. All of a sudden, in the foggy early morning, a deer jumps out in front of you. You hit the brakes, but the brakes don't seize fast enough. And that big deer is struck and rolls up, hits the windshield, which has been cracked before, and now breaks right through it and hits the passengers and the driver. I mean, a really bad situation that could have been prevented or at least minimized if ahead of time they would have had a plan to inspect. And then maybe an experienced driver who would have done a quick look at the vehicle and realized, wait a minute, these tires are getting low. We need to take it in for scheduled maintenance. You know, it's about that time for the 20,000-mile check. And we got deer out here. It's foggy. It's wet. Let's slow it down. So there's all these things you can do. And it's not OSHA. It's, it's having that understanding of, and leadership to do the right thing and to apply the training that we have received. Yeah, you mentioned that you work with a lot of you know, small businesses, businesses of all sizes, right? I'm just curious, like, how do you walk through the steps with a, you know, whoever is bringing you on board? I'm a, some manager, for example, and identify like, where are some of the problems that may occur? How do we correct those problems? How do you put in the procedures? I'm just curious from like, from day one, when you're starting to work with a company, how do you work through that process with them? One thing I did, I outlined in the chapter of my book was 
here's kind of like what the OSHA laid out as just the most basic structure of a safety program at a, at a business. And uh, like I mentioned, well, there's a small business, definitely a middle size and a large business. And there's various elements that need to be um, looked at, need to be looked at training and inspection or keeping an eye on what's going on in your area and having control of your work areas. And then also reporting and investigating things that do go wrong. So one of the things we identify is how complete is their safety program? Is there some elements that are missing? And then I have some resources I can either direct them to or even directly help them to put those together. And so many of them, the federal government has done a great job with the OSHA website these last 20 years to really develop a detailed program. And then many of the states as well, like California, also have a very detailed program. And there's a lot of these resources. You can just download it right there. And, but it can still be confusing because there's many, many chapters and there's different handbooks and things. And that's one of the ways that I can guide people to use those resources to ensure their workers are safe. In addition to the care and safety for your employees and customers, there's also the legal side of this. How does the work that you're doing help to prevent potential lawsuits? You know, it was a big switch when I switched out of the Air Force safety program and then went into uh, private industry is learning the claims process and learning that there are lawyers who want to submit a claim because a certain employee got hurt or your truck hit another vehicle, but those kind of legal claims that come up against us. So when we train our employees how to do proper reporting, like as soon as the incident happens, they're documenting all the things that happen. They are taking photographs. They're making statements, and we've taught them how to do a statement. You want to make sure that you use the right kind of language, that you're not putting things out there that are just ideas like, well, I think what happened to the lawyers, when when they see that statement, the ones that are supporting you, they want to see that this is exactly what happened. This happened, and I did this, and then this came into the scene. And So when we teach our people how to properly report, when that claim comes up, there's hardly anything they can do about it because, you know, we've already drug tested our worker to show that, no, that person was not under the influence of drug and alcohol when our truck hit that other vehicle or maybe was struck. And we don't know whose fault it was because they kind of sideswiped each other, let's say. But because we've got our reporting done right, the, we had the police show up and they took some, some record as well. When the claim comes out, our legal team is able to go, you know what? You don't have a claim here and dismiss it or at least dismiss it with very small, I say, fees, compensation being made because mm-hmm. our, our, our report is pretty tight. Part of small business expenses is that workers comp cost to the business every single year. And whenever there is a claim and, and something that goes against the business because they weren't doing it right, rates go through the roof. Yeah, I've talked to so many different businesses, contractors that literally are not making money some years because their rates have gone up so high for you know workers' comp claims. So taking care of all of this is extremely important to the bottom line to their businesses. Yes, definitely. Unfortunately, there are times when you got a claim, you got a situation where there's appears to be a lot of problems. 
And all you can do is your procedures, your paperwork, and unfortunately sometimes we do take kind of a hit on those, but most of them by doing our proper reporting and, and proper way of dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, managers where I was going to go with it is you're saving these companies you're working with, you know, potentially a ton of money and, you know, maybe keeping their business afloat because they are doing the proper reporting, they are putting in the proper procedures. You, you mentioned something a little earlier about teamwork and you really you know coach businesses on teamwork and we need to go to break here but when we come back i want to dive into you know kind of what your philosophies are in, in building that teamwork. welcome back to diy for business with uh, russ and greg we are part of the Best Business Network of Podcasts on Electrocast Media. And today we are interviewing with John Hale. One of the many things he's done, he's the author of Zero Injuries, and he does a lot of coaching businesses. And one of the things that we left with before the break was how you coach these businesses as far as teamwork. And how do you work with the different managers to, you know, really build that, that, that sense of team within their organization? Yes. There was a time I worked with a manufacturing plant and I kind of was brought in kind of as a special uh, to deal with some issues. There's a lot of backbiting, a lot of people just not supporting management and the different departments were quite divisive. And it was interesting. I think of some of the lessons I learned from the military and certain commanders who were very stern to just tell people, knock it off. So I went out to this one department and I started talking to them and, and realizing that there was this lack of just really having a sense of value. So I went back to the managers and I said, it seems like employees really don't get it. They don't really get what they're doing, why it's important. So if you can imagine this manufacturing plant, they built these gigantic, thick rubber, like six feet across, about six inches deep pieces that would go on top of a mining piece of equipment that would basically separate the gravel. And by having these giant rubber pieces there, it kept it so that grill didn't wear down as easily. And when I talked to the workers, they said, well, we make large manufacturing components for mining, uh, mining companies' equipment. But what I found out really was when we kind of drill it down and sometimes we'll do a, a, almost like an exercise where we help people really drill it down to the mission statement kind of ideas, which is instead of saying it like that, what if we said, you know what? We produce essential components that lay the foundation of civilization, the foundation of runways, roadways, buildings, and waterways. And once they start to realize that, then they say, wow, you know what? What we're doing is pretty important. We're just a part of that, making sure construction happens. In, in another company, they, they would do gas lines and power lines and, and underground feeds to the houses and buildings. And a lot of times people would just focus on that one connection that they would make, that little 20-foot uh, line that they were repairing. And so they were able to instead turn that around to look at, you know what? We connect families to energy hmm. to enjoy life. 
And it takes a whole different idea of the value of what you're doing. You're not just making a little plastic weld of pipe. You're actually supplying fuel, supplying electricity to these, to these homes. So that's the first one is that, that value that, that, we, that leaders and managers can help their employees have to understand why the job they do is important. Yeah, I, I think that's super important. <laughs> I ran a business, as the listeners know, for, I don't know, 13 years or so. And that business, you know, when I would train new people coming in, it was always about more about the why of what we're doing than the how of what we're doing. We would talk so long about why this is important and why this is something that we need to focus on instead of the how. And I feel like once a business owner figures that out in their own head and then is able to express that to their uh, team members, I think that is a that is a great message for uh, any leader out there. That's right. That Red Horse group that I would speak to about 10 tons of mud. Yeah. So afterwards, those brand new operators of the heavy equipment, I'm not talking about big 20,000 pound excavators and things like that. Now they're like, wow. So people do spill these things over into the trench and thing. Now they're motivated to learn and to really figure out why and to master that piece of equipment. And it changes people's attitude when they understand the value of work, yeah. the job that they do. Yeah, for that, that, that one example you gave about, you know, at the Air Force where they're building the runways for the planes to, to land and take off, basically that whole unit is grounded until they can finish their job. It was amazing. There are times in the combat zone, we would have aircraft landing on one end of the runway. We would be working the other side or even the wow. other half of that strip. And we have these dynamic photos of our construction guys out there working with C-130 planes coming in Jeez. right next to where they're working, sometimes having to stop short and turn around because our guys were working on the far end. Oh, jeez. Wow. And it had to be done, and we were the ones that were able to do it. Sometimes it took two years to build this incredible, heavy runway that could take in large aircraft loaded with cargo. But you got to do it layer by layer. All that gravel, all that special kind of soils and, and tamping it down, it's, it's quite a process. Wow, that, that's crazy. I can't imagine having a, an airplane coming over you as you're doing construction on the runway. Man, <laughs> that well, blows me away. Our, every day, our construction workers out there on the streets, I tell you, there's a plug for uh, being so careful when you're driving in construction zone. Slow down because, mm -hmm. you know, when working on the, on the expressway or somewhere in the city and traffic's usually 45, 50, now we got all these cones up and we're saying road work ahead, utility work ahead, and so many people don't slow down. Yeah. And our workers are right there, and maybe they step out close to the edge of that, and if by chance one of them's not looking in the right direction and he backs into roadway, he could be hit. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we got our partners, one of our spotters, is standing there when somebody steps a little bit too close to that traffic line, he'll be like, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up. He's catching it. As well as when a trap, like you block traffic, you block one lane and there's some car coming down the way, they're looking at their phone, they're not watching. And it looks like they're going to go right into our traffic control. 
you might have a horn on a string, blows that horn and everybody knows. As soon as that is blown, everybody stands up and you do a quick back off because there's going to be a problem. And it's mm. pretty much no, the car is going to be coming right through here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've actually, I've seen those horns before. I've always, want, I've seen something hanging from somebody's neck and I'm like, what is that for? Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. <laughs> Interesting. You know, we've been talking a lot about, like, you know, big construction sites or Air Force, but you also work with offices. You know, Russ and I were, were joking at the beginning, like, oh, yeah, we're in the office and, you know, we're, we have hazards. But there are hazards in the office. And it's not just out in the field and working with heavy equipment. And you work with businesses, you know, about safety within their office as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So, I mean, imagine from the very beginning, from the parking lot, when we got ice on the ground, we should have our the person responsible that gets there early in the morning recognize the ice in the sidewalks. And they lay out that, you know, the material, the sand or the urea, whatever it is that they're using to make that a safer spot. I've seen where they actually have an individual or two like that that specifically go over there and he's got his big boots on with all the good texture to walk on that that surface and to help one of the people walk in carefully because sometimes some people they still wear their very much dress shoes and and clothing and and all of a sudden they get to work and there's ice everywhere so this individual's right there to help them walk in down the sidewalk into the building and then we get in the building and we should have things like checklists and that people are responsible they can use those checklists to help keep their area safe. I mean, we have things like probably have policies about the break area and how we take care of the coffee and things like that. But we also need somebody that occasionally goes down a very specific checklist looking for those kind of hazards. You mentioned electrical cords. There could be the shredded paper that people keep in a little bucket underneath their desk right next to the space heater. That's not a good scene. They leave work and the space heater's turned on. Maybe the space heater's not the right kind. It's so old. They go, I love my space heater. But it doesn't have that tip-over protection as most new space heaters the last couple of years have now. You need to just throw away that old one. So there's, there's little things that a checklist specific to your, to your operation will really help out with. You know, I, I always think of like, you know, airplanes. When you're flying an airplane, they've got the checklist. You know, they've got the pre-flight. It's like, that's always a good thing to do. I, I, I do that many times, actually, even before this podcast interview, I've got a checklist of things that I want to remind people of. And it just helps because, yeah, I, I, I've done it, I don't know, 100, 200 times now, but like I, I've got a list still just to make sure that I'm doing these things. And, you know, with the things you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, lives, saving lives, <laughs> saving the, the employees. Like I, I think putting together a checklist and running through that is is the least of your worries. You know, like get that done, put something together. And and you think about it, somebody was to fall on the ice on the sidewalk, right at the front door of your business, and they might not die. They might instead break their back, break their hips, break their knees. All these things be hospitalized. Sometimes people just need to realize that this could damage your body like some of the young people especially they need to realize this will damage your body for the rest of your life 
But I think as you get older, we all have those little bumps and bruises that still, mm -hmm. when it gets cold, we feel them. We know about that bad ankle oh, and yeah. that bad joint. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, John, you know, if, if the businesses that are listening to our show want to reach out to you and get a consultation on what you could do for them and how they can work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, my website, get... G-E-T-JohnHale.com, G-E-T-J-O-H-N-H-A-L-E.com. And on there describes a lot of what I do, presentations as well as coaching and training. But specifically look at the, the contact, put your email in there, and then I'll email to you the opportunity to get put onto my Calendarly app. And then we'll make a time to get have a call and figure out what your needs are and where I can help. And if I'm not the one that can help you, I probably know some other people that would be able to help you in your specific uh, situation. Uh, that's John. great. Yeah, John, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, John. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the best business network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on the podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based, and you may want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed, and we're happy to take your questions. We would also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area where you need solid business advice or help, let us know. We might be able to build an entire episode around it and get your questions answered. You can reach out to us by sending us a direct message on Twitter or visiting us on our website at DIYforbusinesspodcast.com. Both of those links are in the podcast description. We also love talking to business owners, so if you'd like to join us for an episode, please do let us know. We thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. I'm Iris Ichishta, mother of two digital natives, CEO and co-founder of Tokens Collectibles and co-host of the Tokens Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff, father of three digital natives and one of your hosts of the Tokens Podcast, where we cover a variety of topics. Topics such as digital collectibles, blockchain, Web3, and raising children who are digitally and financially literate. So if you're a little crypto curious and want to dip your toe into the Web3 waters, then join us on Tokens. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. There's a change happening in the way we live the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The mission is simple, to spread stories of collective change that make the world a better place, understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Yeah.